Hi, this is Maddie Rose, host of The Fame Game, and this is Our Future is Missing. Please be on the lookout for Lauren Spirer. She is 20 years old and went missing from Bloomington, Indiana, June 3rd, 2011 at 4.30 a.m. She is Caucasian, 4'11", 95 pounds, with blue eyes and blonde hair. She was wearing a white tank top, a white button-down shirt, and full-length black spandex pants. If you know of Lauren's whereabouts, please contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline, 1-800-THE-LOST or 1-800-843-5678. To see a picture of Lauren, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage, Our Future is Missing, or go to ourfutureismissing.com. Thank you. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore with a question from my fans on Voice America Kids. Do you have what it takes to be America's next young superstar? If you're the ages between 8 and 12 years old, then step up to the microphone. You could win $25,000 in cash, a recording contract, and a scholarship. So make sure you get your parents' permission first, then go to www.stepuptothemicrophone.com to enter. Peace. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are all of your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. and you're listening to Voice America Kids, Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we will be talking with Faith Rogo, the author of The Teacher's Guide to Media Literacy. We will also be reviewing the films Sherlock Holmes, Game of Shadows, Valiant, and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So first up on the show, we have a very special guest, Faith Rogo, who is the author of The Teacher's Guide to Media Literacy. So how are you doing today, Faith? I'm excellent. Happy New Year to everybody. Yes, Happy New Year. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your book, Teacher's Guide to Media Literacy? Well, the book is really kind of a how-to for uh, teachers and other people who work with students who want to do a little bit more in terms of helping people use and explore media. So by use, I mean write in quotation marks with all different kinds of media um, and and then be able to think more deeply about the media that we encounter. So that's kind of the short version. For me, the analysis side of it is really helping people learn how to ask important questions and find answers to those questions mm -hmm. when it comes to looking at media. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you definitely you know, talked about critical thinking using media and I think that's cool because that's something that Rani talks to us all the time about when we're doing you know our reviews and stuff is about how to look at media more critically and how to you know think more deeply into what messages are being sent to us because in this day and age media is everywhere I mean especially for kids and teens it's unavoidable I mean you can't get away from it you see it everywhere so being able to use it critically and not just have it be mindless entertainment is a very important aspect. So right. how did you get first started in this field of media literacy? Oh boy, that's that's a very, very long story and, and kind of roundabout, but mm -hmm. 
mostly it was because uh, I found myself really um, kind of involved with how media taught, what the people really seemed to learn a lot from media. And then in various incarnations of doing different kinds of education, I started using it to teach myself and really found that I started seeing stuff that other people around me weren't seeing. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I don't think it's because I'm weird or because I'm smarter than everybody else or anything. It's just that now I've received some education that let me notice things that other people didn't notice. Because sometimes when we don't have language for things, we just don't see them. Yeah. Uh, and, and so part of media literacy is just kind of pointing to those things and saying, you know, these are kinds of things you can look for. There are certain language patterns. There are certain ways we use images. And once you know them, they're pretty easy to spot. But when you don't know them, we tend to just kind of, especially because there's so much media around us, like you said, that, you know, we just don't notice. And Absolutely. so a big part of media literacy is just noticing. Well, speaking of education and how that got you into this, what college did you go to and what degree did you get that allowed you to, you know, see deeper into media literacy? Well, I didn't exactly take a, a direct path. So mm -hmm. my undergraduate degree was from Indiana University and it was actually in religious studies. Oh, I see. Uh, and then I went on and I got a PhD in history. And it was actually partly through that PhD uh, that I started really being more and more interested in media and making media and got involved in that. And it kind of flipped from there where eventually I got so interested, I decided to go to work for uh, public broadcasting. Mm -hmm. And through that, got into children's programs and education and so kind of took a, a roundabout path. So I would encourage people to think of what your educational experiences are, not necessarily as kind of strict vocational education, just like here's okay, I know how what buttons to press now. Mm -hmm. So learning to be a historian has actually helped me a lot in terms of thinking about the effects of media and uh, kind of more big societal pictures. Um, because for, for me, part of media literacy, when we say be critical thinkers, it's not being critical of media necessarily. It's thinking deeply about media that we encounter. And when I was growing up, you know, when, when we talked about media at all, the first question somebody would ask is, well, tell me what you liked or what you didn't like. And that's a question that in terms of analysis is interesting. I mean, we discuss that with our friends. It's fun, but it's not enough. It doesn't yeah. get us very deep. Mm -hmm. So media literacy is about going deeper. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are talking with Faith Rogo about the book, The Teacher's Guide to Media Literacy, reviewing Sherlock Holmes' Games of Shadows, Valiant, and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, starring Tom Cruise. So um, right now we're talking with Faith Rogo, and she was just talking with me about, you know, media literacy and how it allows you to go deeper into your thoughts and about all this stuff about how to look critically at media and not just, you know, saying I like it and I don't like it and how it's not really, you know, enough to say that. So Faith, why don't you tell me a little bit more about how you encourage kids to go deeper into thinking about media? Media literacy is all about asking questions. So the first question is always, well, what questions do you have? Uh, sometimes we'll watch 
um, a news broadcast or a documentary or something. And, and, you know, we find ourselves saying, you know, they didn't really answer the questions I had. <laughs> and so we want to ask those questions and ask that the people who give us information give us more. The other thing is that media literacy education has a set of categories of questions that we can learn how to ask of any media and, and also of the media that we make. And it goes from very simple categories of questions like who made this and why do you think they made it? Um, and there, those might have multiple answers. So it's very rare that we have media that's just made by one person uh, and very rare that we have only one reason that people make media. But my favorite question is getting at impact and it's always asking who benefits and who might be harmed by what we're looking at or what I'm making right now. And if we start asking questions like that, that can really take us deeper and see the effects that media has, not just on us personally, but also on the communities that we live in. I think that's actually really interesting about looking at, you know, how can what we're producing harm and also benefit the people that we're selling it to? Because a lot of times in movies that are family movies, you'll see commercials that are completely inappropriate for a younger age group and sometimes books and magazines and things like that. So definitely asking those questions, like you said, is really beneficial. Sometimes it's asking not, not just also about the, the really obvious stuff, but stuff that isn't so obvious, like... Um, you know, looking at somebody's costume and say, you know, a woman who is wearing uh, a costume that reveals a lot more skin than the men in the film mm -hmm. and asking the question about that, gosh, who benefits from depicting women this way and oh, depicting men this way? And, well, I think that's wrong. awesome too, looking at not so obvious stuff and deeper stuff that might also affect the audience. And it's also, you know, it's, it, it's all about kind of the same way that you learn how to read. So when, when you first learn how to read, you read kind of slowly and, and you don't pick up a lot of detail. Um, you know, we, we, you only recognize simple words and you're still sounding stuff out. And the, and the more you learn how to read, the more fluent you become. And the more fluent you become, the more detailed, complex things you can notice. And it's the same thing when you learn how to read other kinds of media. So the more skilled at it you get, the more things that you tend to see. So at a, a beginning level, you might only see a few things or notice a few things. The more you do it and the more you get in the habit of doing it, the more interesting things you see. Mm -hmm. It's almost just like training yourself to pick out those things and almost pay attention more to what you're witnessing and what you're being exposed to instead of just letting it pass you by without paying it much attention. So yeah. another question I have for you is, how do you think different ways of media can be beneficial in modern classrooms by using critical thinking and educating kids more about what's surrounding them? Oh, every way. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think uh, using media technologies just to use them is necessarily a good idea. But I, I think there are lots of things that the media technologies we have now can do that nothing else can do. And it becomes a kind of natural way for us to communicate. And why shouldn't we use that way? So, for instance, I think you think a lot more deeply about a subject if your assignment is instead of just writing an essay, 
that you have to write an essay where you're also thinking about putting in subject headers like a news article or a magazine would have, you know, how they have headlines and then yeah. subheaders, yeah. And, you know, putting those in and adding some pictures. What's important enough to have a picture? What would be a good picture to illustrate this? So that being asked to do a multimedia presentation instead of just a standard presentation, I think gets people thinking a lot more about what they're doing. Um, and, and I think the other piece is if we can bring in things like having internet access, and it's, it's a lot easier to do comparison stuff. And comparisons are always really, really interesting. So, you know, if you look at, say, reactions to a popular film, are those reactions the same in all parts of the country? Oh, yeah. Are they the same when it goes into video sales overseas? Well, we, can, we didn't used to have access to that kind of information, but we have access now. Um, and I think that kind of stuff would be terrific to bring into classrooms. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Faith, it's been awesome to have you with us. Really quickly before we go to break, I want to ask you how teachers and others working with students or eager parents wanting to figure out more about how they can educate their children about this, where can people find your book, The Teacher's Guide to Media Literacy? Well, they can go to the National Association for Media Literacy Education, which is on the web at naml.net. That's namely.net. And go to the Namely Marketplace, and it's available through Namely's Marketplace. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure that some people in our audience, and hopefully a lot of people in our audience, will be eager to get their hands on this and you can also get it at Amazon I believe I think I was looking at your bio and I saw order forms for the book on there so you should check that out too Faith thank you so much for talking with me on the show it was very interesting what you've had to say about media thanks literacy. for having me oh absolutely let's take a break I'm Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions and you're listening to Voice America Kids Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First Film Critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? 
It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. I'm your host, Raven Devani, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's discuss the new film, Sherlock Holmes, Games of Shadows, starring Robert Downey Jr., which hit theaters December 16th. So I have with me Gabriella Chu from New York and Makai Colvin from Santa Fe. So how are you guys today? I'm good. How are you, Raven? I'm I'm fantastic. Yay. So everybody's good. That's good. Okay. (laughs) So... Gabriella, I have a question for you. Tell me a little bit about the storyline. I absolutely loved the first Sherlock Holmes. It was so amazing because it mind-tricked you so much, and it was so brilliant how they thought out the whole storyline. So I wanted to know what you think of this storyline. So the movie is about how Sherlock Holmes and his sidekick, Dr. Watson, they try to kill their um, enemy, Professor Moriarty. And um, it's because Holmes believes he's linked to a number of recent crimes. And they discover that the professor invests in companies in England owning um, goods like weapons. And he plans to start a war so that there will be a high demand for the goods, which will leave him with a fortune. And Holmes and his partner try to stop him. I see. So, Makai, I know you saw this film as well. What did you think about it? I know you're definitely much younger than Gabriella, so what's it from your standpoint on the younger age range scale? Well, this movie was a very, very interesting movie. Um, I thought Holmes was a nice, silly character, and I liked him. Um, I also saw the first Sherlock Holmes, just like you, Raven, and I liked it too. I wasn't sure if this one was going to meet its expectations, but I hoped it would, and it did. So I was very happy with that. Um, my dad is a big fan of Sherlock Holmes, and he watches a lot of different older shows. And this one's so much different, but I liked it a lot more than the older shows because... Um, the backgrounds and all of the details got it um it pro it 
it kind of was better than before mm -hmm. and it was cool to see that and i love the storyline of this too and it's just a really great storyline Mm -hmm. Well, this film is very new considering, you know, the older shows, and I know that I have read several of the Sherlock Holmes books, and I love them. I like stuff, you know, books and movies that make you think, and they constantly keep your mind reeling, because then it doesn't just let you, you know, sit back and enjoy popcorn and be like, oh, whatever. It keeps you at the edge of your seat, and it really grips you, and it keeps you entertained in the movie, which is very important so that you don't lose interest in the first couple of scenes, you know? And I also get that you liked this Sherlock Holmes a bit better and the other Sherlock Holmes a bit better, because even though it still is in the proper time period for Sherlock Holmes, it's very modernized because of the backgrounds and the special effects. And I think all of the special effects were fantastic. And also the color scheme about how it's sort of, you know, gray and dreary, and it really captures the essence of London. So, Gabriella, what did you think about the cinematography and special effects? I know me and Mackay definitely like them. I thought the cinematography was impressive because um, several of the action scenes were filmed in slow motion, which like really emphasized the action. And um, I also thought the special effects were good because, well, as I said before about um, the zooming in and the um, slow motion of the action scenes, I think it really emphasized it. But um, I thought the lighting of the movie was gloomy and it didn't really match the tone of the movie since it's a combination of action and adventure and a little bit of comedy. In my opinion, you know, I haven't seen this film yet. I'm actually going to see it tomorrow. But I saw the first film and I've definitely seen a ton of the trailers and the reviews. And it seems like this newer film... Uh, Game of Shadows seems much more comical and lighthearted than the other film. Am I right about that? Is that what you got from it as well? Yeah, there were a few jokes here and there. Mm -hmm. So what did you think about the performance of Robert Downey Jr. in this? He's definitely one of my favorite actors. And, you know, I've loved him in all of the movies he's been in. So did he meet your expectations in this film? Yeah, I think um, his acting was good. He had great chemistry with his partner, Dr. Watson or Jude Law. And um, he was funny and very lighthearted. But at the same time, he was serious with the mission. And he had really a sharp eye. And it was fun watching him trying to solve the mystery. So, Mikai, what did you think about the soundtrack in this action adventure? I absolutely loved the soundtrack from the previous film. I thought it really captured the essence of the movie, and the music played all the right stuff at all the right times. So, how did this film soundtrack compete with the other film soundtrack? The competition, I'm just saying, because you said compete, um, <laughs> it was very close, and I think they both fit quite well with the action because Sherlock Holmes is a very upbeat movie and um and there's always more hope like you think something happens but you know there's always more hope like what could go wrong because it's Sherlock Holmes <laughs> yes well I think that's good that you feel the music captures the emotion and the upbeat lightheartedness even in times of stress you always know that Sherlock Holmes will always find a brilliant plan to turn things around. 
You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are reviewing the film Sherlock Holmes' Games of Shadows, Valiant, and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, starring Tom Cruise. So right now we're talking about Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows, which came out in theaters December 16th, 2011, such a short time ago, but it seems like so long. So we're talking with Mackay and Gabriella. So Mackay, why don't you tell me if you had a favorite scene or a favorite character that might have stuck with you in this film? My favorite character would definitely be Sherlock Holmes because he's just so imaginative. And he does these crazy things and that back then no one would imagine. Like, that's the law. It's not like a law law, but like that's the law. It feels like it to them. But Sherlock Holmes, he does these crazy things, and um, he kind of goes wild. He doesn't really meet the proper British person. So, Mikai, I have a question for you. Since you're on the younger, you know, age scale for this film, what did you think about the? aspect of all of the storyline and twists and turns. I know for myself personally, in the previous film, I ended up feeling so I had to watch the movie twice actually to really understand it because I ended up feeling so stupid because Sherlock Holmes is saying, oh, judging by the red dust on your left shoe, I know that you were kneeling in the corridor at 11 past 12. And, like, all this stuff that's all brilliant. And I'm like, I would have no idea how to pick that out. So what did you think about all of that? And do you think that there was enough amount of clever thinking in this film? I thought this movie was very good compared to the other one. Um, but I didn't quite hear your whole question. So could you repeat that? Oh, yes. My question was, what did you think about the cleverness of this movie? I know in the last film, there was a lot of cleverness and a lot of deep thinking and twists and turns when Sherlock Holmes was discovering clues and, you know, sleuthing around. So did you think that this film had enough of that? This movie had a lot of clues and stuff in it, and I thought it had plenty enough of in there. Um, they could have had a little less, but I think the amount of clue hunting in there was just right. And sometimes if you just fill it up with clues, it doesn't work too too much. Like if there's a mystery movie and it's just all about the clues, it doesn't work too much because you still kind of want some of the mystery and some of your figuring it out yourself too. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you. Those are very important aspects of film, especially with, you know, mystery and sleuthing films and definitely being able to find the perfect balance between too much clues and just enough clues and just enough mystery and things like that. You don't want to completely ruin it for the audience so that they can't figure it out themselves. So, Gabriella, what do you think about the emotion in this? I know we talked a little bit about how it's a bit more lighthearted than the previous film, but how do you think the cinematography and the characters and the soundtrack captured the quality of this film? Um, I think the emotion was carried out well. It's not really um, one genre, but a combination of action and adventure and a little bit of comedy. And it actually reminded me of a Mission Impossible in the 19th century. And I agree with what Mackay said about um, maybe there should be um, a little less clues in the movie because it was a bit hard following exactly what was happening because there are a lot of details in the movie. But I did get the general picture of what was 
going on. But I think if there were um, maybe a few less twists and turns, then it might be um, more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Well, before we're out of time, I just want to ask Mikai, how many stars do you think you would give this film on a scale of one to five? I give this film five out of five stars. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. I definitely think that the Sherlock Holmes films absolutely deserve five out of five stars because they're so fantastic. Be sure to catch Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows before it runs out of theaters and it's still playing in theaters right now. So hurry up and do that with your friends, with your family, with everyone you know. Let's take a break. I'm Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, with a question from my fans on Voice America Kids. Do you have what it takes to be America's next young superstar? If you're the age of between 8 and 12 years old, then step up to the microphone. You could win $25,000 in cash, a recording contract, and a scholarship. So make sure you get your parents' permission first, then go to www.stepuptothemicrophone.com to enter. Peace. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First Film Critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. 
You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. Hey, and welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's discuss the 2005 animated film Valiant, which is about a pigeon who wants to become a great war hero, so he enrolls in the war, and he has some crazy adventures with his new mate friends. So, Mikai, why don't you tell me a little bit more about the storyline and plot of this great film? Well, like you said, this film's about a pigeon, and when he enters to be a warrior pigeon to go to training, they all think he wouldn't be a very good one or he couldn't make it, because this pigeon, Valiant, is much smaller than all of the other pigeons, but what they don't know is Valiant is a very brave pigeon, and it doesn't matter what size you are. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen this film several times. I love it. And I know my little brother, River, he loves this film as well. Because it's the classic story of someone wanting to do something and having everybody put them down because they might be a little bit smaller or they might be a little bit different or they might not be the best of the best. But then the person that wants to do this, or in this case, the pigeon that wants to do this, always proves them wrong. So I think it's cool that this is a typical story, but it's twist because he is a carrier pigeon instead of, you know, a person. So, Makai, what are your initial thoughts about this film? I know I love this movie, so what did you think about it? I love this movie as well. I liked how they did this with pigeons instead of men, and the set around them was very cute for the pigeons, like how they live in nests and just how they said things. It sounded like if pigeons could talk, that's what they would say. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think the background and their houses and their environment is very playful. And I think it gives a quality and a certain characteristics to the film that might have been left out if the backdrops and the sets and, you know, the animation wouldn't have been as playful and as fun as that. So speaking of the background, what did you think of the quality of the cinematography and the pigeons? In my opinion, I think it's fantastic and it's very well done. I thought the pigeons were very well done, too. I like how they put a little bit of color into the pigeons, just like real. Um, Valiant's chest had, like, a little bit of pink and purple, and that was very cool. And then they had the big blue-winged bird, and that was very cool. Like, on the edge, on the rim, there was blue-winged. And they, like, mixed in those colors. Because, like, pigeons are all gray, except for on their chest, they have a little bit of color. So they mixed in those colors very well. I def I haven't seen this film for quite some time, at least two years, but I do remember the one thing that stood out to me is, like you said, the bit of tint of color that is in the pigeon's chest, and it's something so simple. I mean, to someone, it might just, you know, pass by their eye, but I think it's really cool because real pigeons, when you see them on the streets, they have a bit of tint to their chest. It's almost metallic-y looking, and I think this film captured it very well. So, Makai, what do you think your favorite scene or character might be in this film? Or if there's any scene or part of the film that stuck out to you the most? My favorite scene or character in this film? Well, my favorite scene in this film would probably have to be 
in the beginning when Valiant is heading off to London to get in as a soldier. And um, he's flying through the sky and he's just having so much fun. And there's this little tiny bird in the sky. And my other favorite scene is also in the beginning when Valiant is in this little restaurant place where all the pigeons are. Then the um, messenger pigeons come in, or you could say warrior pigeons, and they come in and they look all cool and they have like these glasses on and then they get a drink and then and then they give a little flyer to um, Valiant, and he wants to be one of those pigeons so bad, he goes and he tries out all the way in London, and he's willing to fly all the way over there. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Valiant is definitely the star of this show, even though he might not be the biggest in the game. But what do you think about the rest of the pigeons that he meets? I know he makes several friends, and he also becomes a little bit of a rival to some of the other pigeons that see him as a threat because he does grow to be very talented. So how do you think the character Valiant reacts and works with the other characters in the film? The character Valiant worked very well in this film along with all the other characters because Valiant is this very shiny, clean little character. And then he means, meets this stinky bird and then he meets... And like this royal bird, and they're and then he meets these two really tough brothers, and they're all fighting, and they're really big, and so there's a bunch of different varieties of birds, and one of my favorite birds would probably have to be the stinky bird he meets at <laughs> first, and the stinky bird gets him into the training place to be a warrior, because they're like, I don't see your name on the list, and then he gets him in, and um. That's why I like that bird a lot. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. There are definitely a large variety of different characters, and it gives the film more uniqueness, and it gives it more of a feel and a bit more of depth, since it's not just all of the pigeons are the same and they're, you know, all clean or they're all dirty. There's definitely variety. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are reviewing Valiant and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, starring Tom Cruise. So right now we're talking about Valiant, which is a 2005 animated film about a pigeon who wants to become a war hero. And we're talking about that with Makai, and she was just telling me about how there's a wide variety with all of the characters and the different types of pigeons And that some of them are big and tough, and some of them are scraggly. Some of them are like a royalty. And Little Valiant, he's he's one of the smallest ones. And, you know, he's all clean and pristine and things like that. So he doesn't necessarily fit into the rest of the bunch or seem like the warrior type. But he definitely makes his mark. So, Makai, what do you think the age group would be for this film? Well, I think teenagers can as well love this film, too. But if they're not into animated stuff, very much like this film, animated stuff, very happy stuff, it's not as much like a live-action hunting, um, clue-hunting film like Sherlock Holmes that we just talked about. Um, It's not as much as that. But I think teenagers would like this film, and they would like to watch it, too. 
I agree with you. And I know for me, it's cool because since I have a younger brother, I'm exposed to some more younger films or films that are geared towards a lower age range and some animated films that I wouldn't necessarily go see in theaters or watch on DVD if I wouldn't have a brother. But I'm very glad about seeing these movies because they are really cute and they're entertaining, even if they're for younger kids. So, Makai, do you think you would change anything in this film, or do you think anything was left out that might have been a good aspect to incorporate into the movie? I think every everything worked out pretty well in this movie. I wouldn't change anything, except for they didn't have that much movie in the um, music in this film, so I thought they could have made it a little bit better with more music. I was actually just about to ask you about the soundtrack. That's sad that there wasn't that much music. I think I remember that a little bit. You know, like I said before, I haven't seen it in quite some time. But I do remember it being more, you know, less geared towards the music and the soundtrack and more geared towards the dialogue in the movie. And the animation, I think, was one of the main focuses in this film because it was very cute and very spot on. So, Makai, what do you think the emotion of this film would be? I know in the very beginning of talking about this film, we talked a little bit about how Valiant didn't really fit in and he was doubted, but he showed everybody wrong. So do you think that there's anything else to the emotion? And if so, how was it captured? I don't think there is that much more in in the emotion because at the end, they kind of all made friends with Valiant and they started to believe in him. And Mm -hmm. Especially at the very end, they all definitely believed in Valiant. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that was kind of the big emotion, that Valiant was such a tiny bird, but he could still do something the biggest bird could do. And on a scale of one to five, how many stars would you give this film? I would give this film five out of five stars. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because... Everything was pretty much captured pretty well, except for the music. And I thought it would be a great movie for you to see. And um, it's a good movie to see with your family if they like these kind of films and if they like to watch these kind of films. And if you don't watch these kind of films, it'd still be a good thing to try out. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Valiant is a great family film. I agree with you on that. It looks like we're out of time. Let's take a break. I'm Raven Vanny from Kids First Coming Attractions, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First film critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, 
sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. Back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's discuss the new film, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which came out December 21st, and it stars Tom Cruise. And if I believe correctly, this is the fourth film that Tom Cruise has been in, which is Mission Impossible. And um, it's not the fourth film Tom Cruise has been in, but it's the fourth Mission Impossible film he's been in. And Mission Impossible has been around for quite some time. So I have with me Gabriella, who's here, going to tell me a little bit more about this fantastic adventure action film. So, Gabriella, why don't you tell me the plot line and the storyline of this film? Um, the movie is about how um, the IMF, they're blamed for the bombing of Kremlin. So Ethan Hunt and his team, they work for the IMF. They tried to get back their reputation by preventing a nuclear missile from killing everyone on Earth. And what's your opinion about this movie? Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you not like it so much? Yes, I loved it. Um, the movie is really fast-paced. From the beginning, um, I was on the edge of my seat because scene after scene, um, Ethan Hunt and his team, they're always on the move. And the movie, um, it starts from Russia to Dubai to Mumbai and back to the United States. So it was like an international adventure and it was really fun watching that. There are so many locations in this film, absolutely just a ton. So what did you think about the cinematography and how the camera was able to capture all of the different places and the vastness of their travels? Yeah, the cinematography was um, great because um, there were a lot of close-ups of Ethan Hunt trying to um, 
take on a really difficult stunt and the close-ups and the zoom-ins really made it lifelike and really um, fast-paced and intense. So what did you think of the soundtrack in this movie for the action and for all of the, I know there's a bit of suspense in this, not a ton of suspense, but just because of all of the action. So how did you think the music captured that? Yeah, the, the music captured the emotion well. It was really intense and um, really portrayed all of the action in the movie and all of the chaos. And it even reminded me a little bit of James Bond's. I see. I think that's cool that you're able to make that connection and be able to identify that there are similarities between the two films. So, Gabriella, what do you think, you know, the emotion was in this film? The emotion was very exciting because Ethan Hunt, he's always trying to do the craziest thing. And it's really fun watching that. So it's really adventurous and exciting and quick paced. And do you think that was captured to the best of its ability? Yeah, I did. I think it was really exciting. And um, I really liked watching him do all of these stunts. So was there a specific part of the film that you, you know, found most intriguing or that stuck out to you? Or was there a certain character that you felt you related to the most or also that stuck out to you? A lot of the scenes had really cool special effects. And I think one of the most um, interesting scenes was when Ethan Hunt, he, his partner gave him this glove, which allowed him to climb up this extremely tall building. And he was climbing up the building only on the gloves and he made it all the way to the top of the building. Then he tried to come back down and his gloves weren't really working. So he was about to fall off. So he had to swing from the top floor back down to his original floor. And it was really close because he almost didn't make it. And watching that, it was so intense, but like, it wasn't so, um, it was, it was realistic and it wasn't to the point that you couldn't believe it didn't happen. I think that's actually really awesome that it was believable because a lot of times in spy movies, you'll see things that they just get so carried away with making them breathtaking that it loses the reality of it. And it's like, um, you know, that was really cool, but not very realistic. And (laughs) You know, that that would not happen. So I think that's cool that you were able to keep that realism when you were watching it and being able to be like, oh, yeah, that's realistic. And it definitely seems like one of those scenes that you would hold your breath through. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are reviewing the new film Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol starring Tom Cruise, which hit theaters December 21st. So I have with me Gabriella, and we're talking about the film. And she said that even though there was a lot of action in this movie and a lot of special effects, they still kept it realistic. And she was able to understand, you know, that it seemed realistic and it kept her entertained and at the edge of her seat. So Gabriella, what do you think the age group for this film would be? I'd recommend this movie to teens 13 and up because I think it's a wonderful cinematic experience filled with action. And I think pretty much everyone will enjoy its fast pace, but I don't think it's um, 
appropriate for kids under 13 because there's a lot of explosions and even though it's really thrilling to watch younger kids might be a little bit scared or and I know you said it's for uh teens and up but do you think that even older adults might be able to enjoy it as well and see it and relate to it and get entertainment out of it yeah I think um pretty much almost all age groups can enjoy it except for younger kids because um, the movie, it doesn't, the themes don't really deal with stuff that target a particular audience. And I think the movie, um, it's really um, fast paced and just enjoyable for everyone because I think everyone likes to watch really cool special effects and see the international adventure of Ethan Hunt and his team. Mm-hmm. Well, and I agree with you on what you said with younger kids. It doesn't really target anything that younger kids could relate to, so they would probably lose interest in it. And if it's fast-paced, it might be difficult for younger kids to keep up with. So I think that makes sense. So how many stars do you think you would give this film on a scale of one to five? Um, I'd give this movie four to five stars because I really liked it. And um, the director swiftly trends... Um, he swiftly moved um, the locations. Like, even though they traveled to so many places, it wasn't like um, they were doing it on whim. It was like, it was planned out swiftly. And um, the special effects are impressive and it really delivers all the action. So did you relate to the storyline in any way or is there a specific character that you might see yourself as? No, I didn't really relate to the storyline because it's um, a little intense for me. I'm not really a spy who's planning to save (laughs) the world from a nuclear missile. And um, the characters are, they're not really um, like a teenager. So no, I didn't relate to them either. Well, that's a shame that you weren't able to relate to someone who would be about to save the world. But if you were a spy that would be about to save the world, I would think that was pretty cool. Yeah. So what do you think about the overall production of the film? You know, every aspect of the film combined. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really big production because there are so many special effects and explosions. And when it comes together, it's really amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's any aspect of the film that you might have left out or maybe something that you might have added that would be beneficial to the overall outcome of the film? Um, No, I think there were just the right amount of um, action. It wasn't too much and there was definitely plenty to keep the audience entertained and at the edge of their seat. Mm -hmm. So what did you think about the acting? You know, I know there are several stars in this film, but particularly what did you think about Tom Cruise and all of his co-stars? Yeah, I think their acting was good. It really showed that they were focused on the mission. And um, you can really tell what their personalities are like. And um, they really fit the spy character. So have you seen any of the other Mission Impossible films? Yeah, I have, but when I was younger. So I don't really remember them to the best of my ability. I personally have not seen any of the other films, but my friends are so obsessed with Mission Impossible, and I cannot wait to go see Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol because it looks so exciting, you know, so it does. I know, and, and you've made it seem like so like an adventure just going and watching it. You're like, oh, it kept me at the edge of my seat the entire yeah. time. So I think that's pretty exciting. 
so do you think that there were any moral any like morality or any message that was portrayed in this film or was it more just action and adventure um it was mainly just action and adventure but um there were there was one message that shows that in order for a team to work, all of the members have to be involved because in the beginning, like the team thought, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? Because they weren't ready to prevent a nuclear missile from killing everyone on Earth. That's a pretty impossible mission. But um, as they worked together and they had really good cooperation, so that actually um, helped them almost saved their reputation for the IMF. Well, I think that, you know, getting that message out, that teamwork is very important, no matter what you're doing, whether you're saving the world or whether you're playing on a team, things like that, it's very important. Well, it looks like we're out of time. Gabriella, thank you so much for telling me about this film. I cannot wait to go see it. It sounds absolutely breathtaking. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. You can experience more Kids First fun, watch our film reviews, and vote for your favorite up-and-coming film critic at www.kidsfirst.org. Also, be sure to check out The Teacher's Guide to Media Literacy by Faith Rogo at the NAMLE website and also at Amazon.com. I'm Raven Devaney signing out for Kids First, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know what to see. And speaking of see, we'll see you again next week.